1: Your dream set up, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals.
2: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
3: It was shocking.
2: I have to know, what were they thinking?
4: Hello, the
1: Internet, and welcome to Season 260, Episode 4 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, (laughs) Day production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Thursday, October 27th, 2022. -hmm. What does that mean, Miles? National Civics Day.
3: Wow, we could really do with that. National Civics Day, considering most people have no idea how anything works in our country. National Black Cat Day. Shout out to my black cat, Bergie. And also a National American Beauty. A- yeah, man. Okay. People don't adopt. Well, the thing is, they don't. People don't adopt black cats out of superstition, right. and I think right. just general like, like just literally anti-blackness. <laughs> like the, the right. black, I don't know general. about the, the black cat and what it evokes in whatever culture I was raised in. But yeah, when, the only reason I have two, like a black cat. Oh, anyway, I have two cats because when we went to adopt a cat, they were like, "This is a bonded pair." And then we were like, well, we can't split them up. So it it turns out it's actually just as easy having two cats at least i white.
1: does the black cats start feeling themselves like more and more as halloween approaches
3: oh yeah yeah when black okay. panther came out she was feeling it <laughs> i was like you know yeah it's a big you? time for black yeah Pan i was like right run now. this building don't don't do yeah. you do you
1: well my name is jack o'brien aka i hopped off the plane at lax with a dream and my card again welcome <laughs> to the land of fame excess whoa am i gonna fit in Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right, and I see the Hollywood sign. This is also crazy. Everybody's tearing at their insides My thighs are literate And my hands sound like citrus Mrs. Mrs. Kinter thanks me for eating her son Then my friend turned on the lights And put the Teletubbies on Put the Teletubbies on Put the Teletubbies on on. So I put my hands up They're playing my show The butterflies fly away
5: Okay Ha ha uh, Oh yeah
1: Moving my hips like yeah I got my hands Hands up they're playing my show some woke baby saved my life today yeah 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 jack o'brien's gonna be okay Okay. that is courtesy of mr lex loogie mr Lugubrious, in reference to my theory that teletubbies seem so trippy because baby mind and tripping mind are same but yeah i appreciate i appreciate that it just opened with the the straight straightforward lyrics yeah. of, of that song for a little while because I, I like to look at the look in Miles' eyes when he's like is he just going to sing the fucking party like in the USA it. I'm like
3: he's going he's floating y'all he's floating <laughs>
1: Uh, anyways,
3: I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Mr. Miles Gray, who loves limp fries, a.k.a. I wish it was a little bit softer. I wish it was a dollar. I wish I had a fry who would limp. I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a fat in a vat with a Merlot and Hala. OK, look, I'm, Ooh, I'm yeah. I mean, I don't drink a lot that. of Merlot, but, you know, shout out. Shout out hala, You know, love the little braided bread. But I definitely like a limp fry. Shout out lacaroni on the Discord. again. Oh, and also, who was it? Somebody on Twitter hit me up and went to uh what was it, Dick's in Seattle. I was like, hey, I got the fries. And I was like, You looking good, looking good. That was Scott. Shout out Scott. I see you. Nice and soft. Is that, Dude, those fries at Dick's it? Driving in, in, in Seattle. A perfect, perfect. Mushy as hell. perfect. Not as little they got a little little bit of external crunch, but inside, soft. Mashed Softer potatoes. than Drake. Mashy potatoes.
1: Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a brilliant and talented podcaster who you know from 99% Invisible and her spinoff fashion podcast, Articles of Interest, yes. which just dropped the first episode of Season 2. It's Avery Truffleman! Avery!
5: <laughs> Hi. I wish I had—I don't have a song. I wish nah, I, I, I had—these were so impressive. I
1: wish. I like. I like just really— humiliating myself when we have an esteemed guest on so that this lined up <laughs> perfectly with just a long song
5: i just have to say miles i feel like what you really like is poutine like what you were describing oh, like mushy too. mushy fry like with the i was like that
3: oh yeah That's oh, yeah that
5: cusp poutine
3: exactly mm. <laughs> and see but the thing is with poutine it's the gravy that that brings that's it to the sogginess it, yeah. it's like i like when they come out the fryer like that. i'm like wow oh. you did that you did that with the soft fry but mm. again it's a very divisive opinion oh, okay, right, right. that's a
5: that's an yeah. important uh dividing line yes yes yeah, yeah,
3: a yeah. lot of even past guests, karama Donkwa was tweeting me she's like what is wrong with you um <laughs> and lost a lot, she lot goes of people hard for fun she gonna goes lie, hard for the Lost a crispies. lot of
1: people with that one.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I saw the download numbers. Look, I saw my follower count drop. I get it. You know what I mean?
1: But Our listenership was cut in half. It's dangerous to have opinions these days, you know? I know. I'm
3: just talking about fried potato sticks. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) All right, Avery, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things that we're talking about today. We're going to talk about... Student performance scores are down, which is to be expected, and I think it's, we we all can agree, right, that the reason is teachers' unions. Thank you. (laughs) So, we'll talk about that. We might check in with why police are a bad idea, maybe. We are going to talk about your podcast and your menswear, your suits episode, Avery. Sprezzatura, but then how that kind of ties into uh, sneaker culture. Oh yeah. Curious to hear what your thoughts on that and then your new season which is all about preppy or or I guess not Ivy culture. Whoa. Yeah,
5: it's like it's a whole discussion if preppy and Ivy are the same thing and if yeah. anyone even uses either of those words anymore, but we'll get into it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, just AC Slater and say by the bell, I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: And my sister called used it like when she, you know, she was into like she wore cross colors and was like taught me very early on she was like you look like a prep and yeah yeah that, yeah that was one i was the like, derogatory okay. yeah yeah <laughs> i was like well that's I, w- I will not allow that i will not.
3: <laughs> just because i have this flannel with yeah. my fleece vest layered look <laughs> oh
1: i did have my hair like parted to this i looked like one of the bad guys from caddyshack Incredible. (laughs) Yeah.
5: Incredible.
3: Timely reference. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) All of that. Plenty more. But first, Avery, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history?
5: So last night, I was researching the humors. You know humorism? It was like Mm -hmm. this, yeah, like this uh, theory of how health worked before germ theory, because a friend of mine gave blood. And then she was like, I suddenly felt so much better. I was like, whoa, yeah. that's weird. It's like bloodletting used to be the way that right. ev- that doctors cured everything. And I was like, oh, what's that called again? Oh, it's called humorism. And it's like, <laughs> you have these four, you have like phlegm and two kinds of bile yeah. and blood and they all need to be in balance. And so it was like a totally like, flat earther kind of thing. I was like, maybe humorism is real. Just like looking into the history of of, of humorism and trying to remember what that was all about. But it is kind of fascinating. Yeah. It's like a superstitious form of medicine that you'd think would have some crazy resurgence right now.
1: Yeah. It did seem like at the time they thought everything was caused by there being too much blood in your body. They were just like, you're too plump. Too you, need to, yeah. you need to let that blood let out. out. But... Listen,
5: maybe there's something to it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but then we went all the way in the other direction and nothing. No bad things are caused by that. Maybe maybe we need to take another look. It it yeah. also strikes me as very unprofitable, like that like a,
5: that form you know, of medicine just Yeah, that form of medicine yeah,
1: totally. isn't going to make anyone money. So I could also Hey, what do say, I take, uh, doc? Oh, not just bleed
3: a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Cut I don't buy anything? And, yeah. I can buy these leeches, guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. leeches—I guess—are the safe way to do it. The not yeah, it's messy the other humors that
5: are that are trickier though, with like the phlegm and the bile. Like, what do you do with those? I don't know. I just found myself very curious about the the four the four humors.
3: Yeah, yeah. this like when I Goog- do the Google image search of the quadrants, I'm like, I'm like just looking at this and being like, that was explaining health. Okay, it's metal as
5: hell. It's so... Yeah. You'd think it would be like, oh, hey, I'm like an INFJ. And I'm phlegmatic. Like one of those like new agey revivals that we have now.
3: Exactly. It's like you have an overrepresentation of fire and earth within your system. What? (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a time when surgeon and barber were the same job. It was just a person person who had sharp things at their, (laughs) in the room that they worked in. And not afraid to use them. Yeah. What is something you think is overrated?
5: Okay, here's, here's my, my hot take. Like, The Daily, the podcast. I love it as a, as a, as a show. It's Ooh. great. But I recently went out of the country for the first time since uh, COVID. And I was like, oh, right. I only listened to The Daily all the time. And so much of that news was, like, really American. Not exclusively, but, like, very, very American. And then sure. suddenly when I was in Europe, everyone was so aware of so much international news i was like man mm. i gotta i gotta branch out this is like it's a great resource but it is not enough
3: we need You're more like daily
5: that. newscasts
3: <laughs> what about wait what there's glaciers in pakistan that are well i yeah, hear about right? michael avenatti <laughs> he's going to jail he was stormy daniel's lawyer
5: what? <laughs> right, right,
1: right, right, <laughs> that's right. what we really need to be worried about
5: 100 percent.
3: yeah I think that that just goes for podcasts
1: with the word daily in, in the title <laughs> in general. I mean, you know. Not
5: not all. Not all. Not yeah, all. I mean,
3: we'll we'll occasionally swing the focus to international things. Yeah. But it's it's a delicate balance of I mean, trying it's, not it's to hard. be. We're
5: such a big country, you know. And then you also have to be aware of, like, everything going on in this country. You can't be too micro I mean, it's like,
3: I can either talk about, we can talk about what's going on with Giselle and Tom Brady, or we can talk about union. I don't know. What's the balance? <laughs>
5: I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I'm I'm in awe. I don't know Look, how.
3: When in doubt, choose Tom Brady. That's, <laughs> just, that's always that's the that's just the shorthand for American yeah. culture.
1: It Tom terrific. Man. Isn't he like friends with Desantis now or something? Like they're no homies. no yeah. no. wouldn't he be friends with? Yeah, like they they're they're buddies. They they text.
5: Everyone's a milkshake duck. I hate it.
1: Yeah. What is uh? what's something you think is underrated?
5: Well, then this is the 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 part two is like the BBC after being abroad and being like, wow, I don't know anything about what's going on in the world. I have supplemented my daily American podcast with the BBC. It's like, oh, right. This is actually a really great way, even though they just ended their Arab service, which is which is sad. But otherwise, it's like a relatively good way to get an idea of what's going on in the world. So I love mm. the BBC Global News
1: and kind of calming. The accents yeah. are calming <laughs> the accent. Wait, do oh. they have a good
5: podcast, the BBC? Oh, my God. The BBC Global News is actually incredible. They update it frequently, like multiple times a day from all over the world, just because they're so sprawling and massive and they have journalists everywhere and they're just mm. filing all these reports all the time. It's it's great.
1: We update multiple times a day and we don't have journalists anywhere. It's so
5: impressive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we so just got underrated.
5: <laughs> all All <laughs> multiple updates. Underrated. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. I'm gonna check it out. I, I haven't been listening to the daily, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give give the BBC global news a shot. We'll we'll yeah. see we'll see what this BBC whether there's anything to this BBC <laughs> boys club. Right. I've heard of them before.
5: Yeah. right. I discovered the the, the British barca- broadcasting service. Yeah,
3: goes to Europe once. Have you heard about oh the my B- god, BBC? Never.
1: <laughs> BCC, I think. No, no, no. That's
3: the email thing. It's,
1: oh my oh, god! What
3: is it called? What is BBC. it called? BBC. That was one of Pharrell's brands. <sighs> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh... <laughs>
0: The future of customer
1: experience is here and it's faster and better than ever before. It's time to introduce your business or organization to Nice CX1, the world's most complete customer experience cloud platform. CX1 is the ultimate all in one solution to turbocharge your CX results so you can say goodbye to long wait times and frustrated customers. With CX1, you can achieve faster customer resolutions with every interaction, all thanks to the power of one complete cloud platform. It's now easier than ever for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences all while hitting those key business metrics. Whether you're a startup or an established enterprise, Nice CX1 has everything you need to engage customers, deliver smart self-service, and optimize agent-assisted service. When you choose Nice, you get unlimited cloud scalability and flexibility. So visit Nice.com today and take your customers and business into the future. That's Nice.com.
2: Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino & Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: And we're back, and we're starting to get some scores in. The National Assessment of Educational Progress dropped yeah, their performance yeah. review of our educational system. And it's the first one since the pandemic. And the results are not great.
3: Nope. Not great. Mm. Nope. Nope. That's nope. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty big drops. They said a uh, survey of fourth and eighth graders found that math scores fell in nearly every state. No state showed significant improvements in reading. And uh, the lowest performing students saw the largest declines in achievement. And there's a lot of takes flying out there from it wasn't really that bad that they these kids, the scores dropped to. We need to we need the teachers unions to be absolutely obliterated because they had way too much influence in doing this. And they were wrong. They're not scientists, BS. But it is clear the performance went down and many studies show this consistently. And sadly, it also shows that the lower income areas were the hardest hit. Again, which causes more concern for increased inequality down the road because these are like vital years for someone's education, especially in like subjects like math and things like that. This, this is from this Atlantic article. They also said the districts with fully remote instruction saw declines in test scores up to three times greater than districts that had in-person instruction for the majority of the school year. And the declines, again, were particularly stark for lower achieving and minority students.
1: Yeah, I mean. My experience with online school and my kids are much younger than fourth to eighth grade, but it you know, if I were working in a job where I was not able to like be there with like, like have one eye on what they were doing, like that it would have been absolutely impossible and I think doubly so when if they were at an age where they don't believe everything I tell them. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> once you get to fourth to eighth grade, like they're like, Yeah. Okay, like they're doing what they think they need to to get away with lying, or at least I'll speak for myself. From fourth to eighth grade, I'm just doing what I think I can get oh, away with. Oh yeah, I was with. Machiavelli up in that. Yeah. Shit. So like, of course, of course, this is gonna yeah. be the case.
3: I mean. You know, I think around the world, you know, we saw a lot of countries kept their schools open and were pointing to things that, like, the studies were showing kids weren't necessarily the biggest threat vector in terms of transmission and kids weren't getting as seriously ill as adults. And, you know, many of the critics of the closures, like, point to this and, like, are like, but look, every every other place saw, like, they knew that it was low and we still had to keep the schools closed. But school closures were mostly welcomed by parents like it wasn't a huge like the like a lot of polling showed that this wasn't as divisive as an issue as it as it was although many parents were talking about like the how difficult it would be to manage remote learning and working remotely during the pandemic 100% but i don't know like the other thing that they also point to is especially like low income and minority parents were at a much higher rate, accepting of school closures and waiting for absolute safety before putting their kids in school. Because I think just in general, I think they were seeing firsthand how much more, like how brutal COVID can be while trying to earn a living in a dangerous setting. So, you know, everyone's calculus is different. I think that the one the one thing that should be pointed out, though, is that a lot of this isn't permanent. And Mississippi yeah. students have completely recovered in their reading scores. And in oh, wow. a study in Ohio found that the current pace of recovery in reading would pretty much eliminate the state's learning loss. Younger elementary school kids tended to have made up ground much quicker in the last year. But older students are recovering a little more slowly. And again, in, you know, race or family income are very, also very predictive of you know, what that uh, recovery is going to look like.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we're we're in the midst of like a sprint to bounce back from this to get the students caught up, like with all this missed learning and people's responses, the teachers have it too good. <laughs> like that's that's how we're going to solve this is by not giving teachers the, the protections they need. It doesn't doesn't quite work out in in my brain I also think we should all have to take these tests because I bet we're all
0: <laughs> That's a good point.
1: like i th- i think my math scores have also fallen since the pandemic I think we're all spiritually and mentally fucked up still from the pandemic i think it was bad for all of us and yeah we're we're like we we probably need to have a little bit of i don't know patience with ourselves and also yeah I mean the thing that I always thought when we were talking about this over the pandemic was like yeah but kids are like way more resilient than the rest of us so they'll probably be okay in the long run
0: but
5: yeah and i do feel like the mental health thing is like the x factor you know my friends who are teachers were like i'm spending so much time you know like fourth to eighth grade you're like starting to have existential crises you know be like who am i right as like someone separate from my parents And my teacher friends were like, I'm spending so much of my time just like talking to kids about how they're doing and like regulating that because they also don't have each other and like their parents are busy. And so, yeah, I hope once they can like regain some sense of stability, it will allow for bounce back. But it's really sad.
3: I mean, I think, that you know, again, it was a very complex situation, especially in the early stages when we knew very little and the binary seemed to be stay alive or go to school.
0: And that was basically
3: what that was sort of what the discussion was centered around. And I mean, yeah, when you look at the data, it has to be said that school closures for those extended periods may not have been the best move, um, especially when you consider that like that it was widening the gap between rich and poor kids. But you know, rather than just going all in and being like, and this is like, you know, this Daily Beast thing, this person's like, look, when the Republicans take power, I was like, wait, hold on, what? And they're like, and I'm not for sham investigations, but they absolutely need to talk to like they need to get the heads of the teachers' unions up there to explain what the heck is going on. I'm like that is the that direction that energy is completely misdirected in my opinion. But, you know, I think the biggest thing, too, is rather than just comparing yourselves, like, well, look what happened in these like in, in Western Europe or this place or this that place. The U.S. is not like other countries. You know, we're exceptional in some good ways and also in some terrifying fucking ways. And you look at how many people died and how little government seemed to care about the preciousness of like human life. That wouldn't inspire confidence in me as a teacher or someone having to work in the pandemic when the message being reflected back to me is you will die and that's fine. And if you die, who gives a shit like that's a fucked up that's a fucked up environment to operate in. And again, union busting is not the answer here. But I think like anything, right in America, we don't have this thing where we go through something, we learn something and then we go back and be like, this is what we learned. And this is how it will inform future decision making, because we just we tend to not do that. And I think that's not a good pattern for our country because it just undermines people's faith in certain institutions when we can't be like we hey dude hey guess what we learned something from that fucking pandemic here's what we're learning here's what we can how we can apply these things but yeah it's just hard to find the right way to navigate a fucking pandemic when half the country thinks keeping people safe is a genocide.
1: <laughs> right. The are also is it settled science that this was the the wrong move to keep like schools closed and keep... I
3: think it's just saying when you're when you're putting it all together that the what the what the transmission was like in a school and what the actual like potential threat to the safety to the students was was I guess for people who want to really lean into it feels overblown but again I don't think it's necessarily something where I don't think it's it's incorrect to consider the safety of people and making the best decision based off of that. The, I think the bigger issue is we had so much noise coming from certain parts of our economy about go, getting back to normal that it completely muddied people's ability to actually look at the situation and then figure out what the best way to solve that is.
1: Right. And if, you know, t- teachers were at risk. So, I mean,
3: yeah, teachers were dying. Yeah, teachers
1: were dying. And like what message like like what kind of message does that send to young growing humans that like we're like, yeah, but we got to keep those test scores up so that you can compete in the global economy like I I don't know, like even in retrospect, like knowing that the spread wasn't that bad with kids it it still was bad for like kids could spread it to teachers and
5: right we didn't know about transmission at all right and like parents and yeah totally
3: yeah that's why I think you know I again it's just more about seeing that other when again other countries were doing it and I guess looking at those results that people are immediately just like well, d- well fuck and the and the fucking scores went down but again I don't think A lot of the criticisms are necessarily that genuine because, like, the underpinnings of it typically end up on some version of, like, well, teachers' unions have too much power or, like, some other weird end goal, which isn't necessarily the health and safety of every person in the country. It's more like, look what it did to business. Look what it did to that. And then like it's weird, this one Abed in the Daily Beast is truly being like, well, you know, good luck, liberals. You just gave all the people who are like school choice advocates all the ammo they need. Uh, Right. So like this, I think this study is being weaponized in some ways and other people are just sort of objectively being like, yeah, the score is dipped. They're tending to recover. Here are some, this was the fallout of it. But again, I think more than like what happened here with the school closures, the biggest indictment is more about how generally as a country we fucking handled the pandemic. And yeah. getting focused on this, I think give like sort of excuses every other failure.
1: And maybe you have to like have more protections in place when you don't have a functional healthcare system, you know, <laughs> like may, maybe like the the people who are have a union looking out for them are going to be a little bit more cautious when they know that if they do get COVID and have to go to the hospital, it could bankrupt them.
3: Yeah. Like that, that what about that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe. So maybe this what about is a the, good, a good argument, or, not or for even to the, or even for the unions. people who are like, well, you know, adults are the ones that are going to get sick. Well, then why are the fucking bars open? Totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those bounce back. If you're, if you're fucking that concerned, then up, like be consistent with that. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, rather than being like, oh, it's just going to be adults. Also, why isn't Chili's open? <laughs> like, huh? That doesn't that doesn't paint right. you as like a, a again, someone it comes who's really... back to it. Yeah.
1: yeah, it comes back to the bias against anything that's not profitable and schools are not profitable in the short term.
3: Yeah. And I think that's what's kind of wild is just to see people's response to this shows like as a country, like we're completely losing our grip on being humane. Yes you know like there the this woman was arrested in Arizona recently cuz she was feeding the needy in a park and the laws don't allow you to serve food in a charitable nature like we're we're criminalizing shit like that and also having like these wild takes where they're like the teachers unions have way too much power because teachers were dying and they were looking out for their the workers involved in this union but just using like these scores to sort of completely say that this is a this is a failure and if they want better wages well, the unions really screwed them over because now they look like they don't know what they're doing.
1: Right. It was it was a difficult situation. You know, the teachers you, like we got the results we got and it's just Amer- America's not great at dealing with difficult situations, it would seem at this at this point
5: in our evolution. Also, any sort of like woulda, coulda, shoulda about COVID feels ridiculous to be like, right. we shouldn't have been wiping down surfaces. That didn't do anything. It's like, well, okay, yeah, we, yeah. Didn't, we know. didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the, and all those times they were like, don't wear a mask. You know what I mean? We, were, we right. were throwing spaghetti at the wall. We had no idea. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things we should have done. A lot of things we should have done differently. I don't know. It-
1: it's funny in retrospect that I was disinfecting my Cheerios boxes when I got them <laughs> home from the grocery store, and but I'm I'm also like not calling for the heads of the of the people who suggested that it could be spread by you know right. <laughs> particles on Cheerio boxes because yeah. we just didn't know and everyone was freaking out understandably right. and. And it did kill a million people. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: And again, right. try operating in good faith, like in what's the best interest for your own health or your community's health when you li- you have millions of people who will just be like, why are you wearing a mask? Why are you doing this? Let me get in your shit. Like we're that's what I'm saying. Like, I think for people who want to make a really easy comparison, it's like, well, they didn't do that in like South Korea or whatever. It's like right. we're not we're not dealing with the same shit. Also, in South Korea, the government was like bringing people food to be like, hey, we know you're locked up. Here's a fucking care package because we know you have to eat because we understand that is, you know, just a concept rather than our version, which is like, hey, salute the people who are whose only financial recourse is to go buy groceries for people with more money. Right.
1: All right. Let's uh, let's move on to. Maybe the police are a bad fucking idea. Part two. uh, Just a recurring segment we have. So a couple weeks back, the Edmonton police released a composite of a suspect in a 2019 sexual assault. A black man who, or a black male, I will say, who, judging from the image, presumably escaped on the Polar Express. Because the, the image they released makes him look 12 years old.
3: No, and uh, and uncant, like it's not a purse like it, it, like you say like Polar Express. You're like, are are you a computer animated? character Yeah, it's a from computer a animated
1: twelve oh no. year old. What? Yes, and so what they did was they used DNA phenotyping, which is the process of predicting a physical appearance and ancestry from unidentified DNA evidence. This. Is not a set. There is not a settled science around this. Oh my god. The cops bought the composite from a company called Paraben Nanolabs, which sounds very official. They routinely provide this service to law enforcement. And the Edmonton police claim this tactic was taken because the public needs to get this person off the streets, even though they admitted that the composite was not 100% accurate. <laughs> Turns out oh that's a god. massive understatement. Less than a week later, the Edmonton police issued an apology over the use of DNA phenotyping after a massive backlash for its broad characterization of just a black man. Again, could be a black child, which experts expressed concern would lead to mass surveillance of any black man approximately five foot four.
5: Oh, my God. DNA phenotyping sounds like phrenology or something. That is like arcane. That is wild.
3: Especially the a couple of that with like, and this is who did it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, like, whoa. face
1: is so specific. but it, So it's like a police sketch, but it's not. It's based on kind of less than a police sketch, which racist police sketches AI. are already, you know, very, very problematic. But one geneticist called the, quote, science of extracting facial profiles from DNA, quote, dangerous snake oil, while one taxpayer complained the government is wasting money on racist astrology for cops.
5: We're oh sure. my God! <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. you know we we always hear that the problem with algorithms is human bias, and this yeah. is like the visual manifestation of like 100%. using science to dress up human bias. That's so scary. That's yeah. and yeah, to be like oh, it, it, it's heritage and and yes. history to manufacture it.
1: Also gives DNA evidence a bad name by being like, like, and from this DNA, we will conjure this image of like a composite that a computer made. But yeah, the, the company that provides the service, Paraben, also does DNA matching. But this specific service is called Snapshot, was first released in 2014, and a lot of people in the field of DNA research were skeptical of snapshot and continue to be for one things the company science has yet to be published in any peer-reviewed literature so (laughs) that's that's one of those things that like we generally look for in our science
5: i mean you wonder how they came up with the name snapshot it sounds too like cute and ineffective you know it's like snapchat or like a snap judge it's like that's not right you weren't even trying snapshot Yeah. Hey, this will take off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, it does feel focus grouped. Yeah, like it feels exactly. like it came out of like Mattel, like Mattel's yes. like focus grouping, like for coming up w- with the name of like a snapshot Barbie is our yeah. new uh, or like a <laughs> like
3: fucked up kid's toy. It's like put two drops of blood in the receptacle <laughs> container, wait fifteen minutes, and then it'll reveal your new image. <laughs> like <with> snapshot.
5: <laughs> That's like, oh, like the BuzzFeed personality test of the future. Right. Right? Totally, in like right. Attica yeah. world, we'll just give be us dropping your blood, our blood and we'll into, figure it out. Yeah see what cartoon what looney tunes character we are by dropping our blood into a vial
3: oh my
1: god i could totally see it don't even answer
3: questions anymore (laughs) (laughs) a
1: a version of the future where like you know the 23 and me goes down a path where you're like spit in a cup and then like they do all sorts of fun like personality tests yeah exactly Like like that it's like, have you
3: tried a balayage design like hair dye job? Like that yeah. would really look good for you. Like what? I am given bald. your
5: ancestry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't
3: have hair. You're looking at me, you're telling me I should get balayage. What the fuck you mean? Right. But there there's basically no
1: way to know how they're accomplishing what they say they are. Their response to the criticism is, we're not in the business to write papers. The results speak for themselves. But, uh, so results what? are fucked up, my man. Yeah, and they're bad. A geneticist whose work Paraben admits they partly base their technique on suspects that Paraben is just generating a bunch of g- generic faces and then using the DNA <gasps> info to tweak these faces and fill in the blanks.
5: It's Theranos. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it really
1: is very similar to Theranos. Wasn't that kind of what they did with? Yeah. The, yeah. But wait, now not it's doing kind of delicious. You're I'm like right. right
5: this is like the takedown is making itself.
1: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So that would explain why the composite looks so broad and just yeah. Or it'll, just it'll,
3: be like what the like it land that you say that it really does feel like a a player function in a sports game it does. when it's like yeah. here are the 17 like eight faces you can then fuck if you can fuck with from there. Right. Because this one like how th- like it's a ch- like this fucking mugshot looks like a fucking 13 year old 12 year old
1: well that's so this is what's wild okay so from the dna testing that they're doing they can't even determine a person's age using dna so they chose the age of you know right 13 14 and like that's a point that we discussed recently like with with regards to the la city council's like racist comments it's Interesting that they chose to spread a picture of a black child when they couldn't possibly know the age. Like the Mm -hmm. othering and targeting of black children is like real. And it's a cultural sickness that I feel like comes from the dissonance that occurs in the brain of a person whose cultural conditioning tells them to be racist against black people, but whose humanity tells them that these are fucking children and to like to help smooth over that dissonance, dissonance, they, like, grasp for anything they can to, like, find something that others, black children, like. Right. Because, the science of it, right. Yeah. Like, it, and, yeah, I don't know. In terms of skin color, one expert estimated the scientists would only be able to predict someone's skin color using DNA with 25% accuracy.
3: Wow, they went oh all my- in on his complexion, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But this is
5: in Canada, right?
1: Yeah, this is in Canada. But this is also, um, so the cops in Edmonton apologized for using the tech. It doesn't mean they'll necessarily stop. And in 2020, the NYPD announced that they'd no longer use Snapshot in their investigations. But then more than a year later, it turned out that they had uh, maintained a relationship with the company.
5: So, I I knew I was like I had a sinking feeling like, I was like cool this is gonna cool, you're cool, gonna cool. hear that the it,
1: NYPD and all this <laughs> cool 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 like some
5: American yeah, uh, yeah police unit is gonna be like all right we got this like new technology seems pretty I legit mean, I'll yeah. play this
3: this this was from five years ago this is from a local news broadcast in Denver when they're 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 like heralding the arrival of DNA phenotyping.
5: Number 10, putting a face on crime. What if you could see what a suspect looks like just from the DNA left behind? So
2: it sounds like sci-fi, but Aurora police are some of the first in the country to use this cutting-edge technology to try to catch the bad guys. But Denver 7's Jacqueline Allen found... Some question whether the science is ready. Private companies say they can use your DNA to make predictions about what you look like, your skin color, eye color, painting a digital picture of your face. But some researchers are concerned about how accurate that is, so we tried it ourselves.
3: So they go on, but again, like this, the, the 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 binary here is like New technology to catch the bad guys. Bad guys, (laughs) But then they got to level that off. And some people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about are, like, not so fucking quick. Right. Yeah. It just shows, again, like, it's this always, there's going, there's always, like, the side that's like, yes, spend more money. So I have to do less work to actually catch somebody. Like, hey, buddy, your face looks like this racist fucking AI algorithm face. So it was you. Right. Um, Or that then they'll actually have to use DNA to match that. But and then on the other side of just people trying to say this is fucking dangerous. It's pseudoscience.
1: Yeah. I mean, just think about who has like these companies are like when you read the history of these companies, they get like hundreds of millions of dollars of cash infusions from, you know, venture capital firms. And who where is the money on the other side of that? You know, who who's mm-hmm. balancing that out by looking out for people who are getting wrongly convicted? It's like public defenders and shit, you know, like right. people who are, you know, not not making any money. And then, you know, al- also it, it would be interesting to look at the sourcing of that local news story because they got to try it out themselves like a fun little like party game. So they obviously did that story with the cooperation of the DNA evidence like company that that they were reporting on. So
5: also just the political ramifications of like circulating pictures of people <laughs> nebula like. Yeah. Yes. I, I was just thinking, I like met someone recently who was like, oh, yeah, I really hope Donald Trump runs again. I don't really agree with him on anything but like crime. We have to close the border. You know, he's like these illegals. They're like causing. He's like, what did he say? He was like, my wife got mugged the other day. I was like, how do you know it was an illegal immigrant? And he was like, you don't. And this guy was an immigrant, you know, he was like, right. you don't know it wasn't an illegal immigrant, you know, it just plays right. into like this larger political paranoia that we're so, so it's like. For some people, it's our number one voting issue above everything else yeah. is like, am I safe? Is my family safe against like these other these other people? So that's so to imagine just like more imagery, more faces, right, more more images put up on TV of like this is maybe probably a danger. People with this like yeah, ethnic background like that's terrifying.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people are definitely going through mean world syndrome of just having that just put right back in their face, and you know, we talked about the proliferation of like ring cameras and home surveillance and all this other stuff, and like the fucking next door app and shit like that just feeds and feeds and feeds your like if you have if your your cognitive bias is bias is aimed towards. What the fuck's going on out there? Everything's so fucking unsafe. There's no shortage of ways to fucking freak yourself out. There's no fucking like you could f- it, turn on any fucking channel, look at any app, whatever. There's something to reinforce that. And yeah, it's I, it's becoming a really effective tool. And it's the entire it's one of the biggest things Republicans are running on now. which is like crime wave. That's not there.
5: Right. Yeah, there's money in the fear.
0: Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk
4: about menswear. (laughs) Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.
1: The future of customer experience is here and it's faster and better than ever before. It's time to introduce your business or organization to Nice CX1, the world's most complete customer experience cloud platform. CX1 is the ultimate all in one solution to turbocharge your CX results so you can say goodbye to long wait times and frustrated customers. With CX-1, you can achieve faster customer resolutions with every interaction, all thanks to the power of one complete cloud platform. It's now easier than ever for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences, all while hitting those key business metrics. Whether you're a startup or an established enterprise, Nice CX-1 has everything you need to engage customers, deliver smart self-service, and optimize agent-assisted service. When you choose Nice, you get unlimited cloud scalability and flexibility. So visit Nice.com today and take your customers and business into the future. That's Nice.com.
2: Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: And we're back, and... Yeah, I just I I just checked out your podcast, Articles of Interest, Avery, and Thanks. the menswear, the suits episode, which kind of dove into menswear, was super fascinating. It got at this idea that I've always been aware of, but I hadn't really like heard people kind of put words to it. But this idea that I guess it's called sprezzatura.
5: Sprezzatura. Sprezzatura.
1: <laughs> See, I, I'm a man, so I have to like say it like I don't even give a shit about it.
5: Oh, but you um, love yelling okay. things in other languages. <laughs> that's true. That's, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. That's kind of my thing. But so you you actually get at this while talking to this like I guess self self described menswear like nerd in in this store that is like menswear like the highest level of menswear. Dandiest menswear store in modern America, and it calls itself the Armory, which Um, I thought was it still has to like slather itself in like violence and like traditional (laughs) masculinity, (laughs) but like it's where you get your weapons, and by that we mean kerchiefs and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a
3: pocket square, not a kerchief.
1: But hearing you talk about it made me realize that, like, since, yeah, I guess it's since, as you outline, like, since the like courts where royals and like high society women and men were all dressed in like jewels and lace and like wigs, like since that time, and you talk about the one person who kind of created this advent, but the one central thing in men's fashion is that men need to look great while appearing not to care, yes. like appearing not to try, which I thought the- was uh, such an interesting insight
5: men have to appear like they don't care about fashion and like they are up to way more important things right and this is so true you know it's interesting like this was also especially true this wasn't in the episode but it's actually in this season of articles of interest which is all about preppy clothes right and that starts with the history of brooks brothers which was one of the earliest ready to wear manufacturers. It was one of the first places you could go and not have to get fitted for a tailor to make you a custom suit. You could go and just buy something off the rack. Like Brooks Brothers is one of the first places to to do that. And that was huge in America in like the early days of the American democratic experiment because it was this like democratic way of dressing. Like poorer people who thought they'd never own a suit or who only wore secondhand things could now like buy a ready-to-wear suit at a much lower price point. And something that was so interesting about that is like it created this idea that because you could just buy clothes off the rack, men, there were no ready-made clothes for women. There were like only ready-made clothes for men. You don't get ready-made clothes for women until like the 19th century. And so it created or until the yeah late 19th century. And so it created this idea that like, oh, men don't have to care because there are these companies that will care for them. Meanwhile, women had to, like, keep up and you sew their own clothes and keep up with fashion journals themselves. And it was this whole thing. It was like, well, men have to care about politics and economics, and women largely weren't allowed to. And so, you know, created this idea that it's, like, foolish or, or silly to care about what you wear when it's something that we obviously all have to do. So there's this culture in menswear where even if you do buy a really expensive whatever, sport coat whatever dandy thing you like you're supposed to leave it like unbuttoned or like a little ruffled right. or like the collar a little a little bedraggled you don't want to look too too buttoned up or like you care too much
1: yeah this reminded me of the harry styles conversation because that like that seems to be the person who is the most you know fashion forward yeah. you know I- icon in in the modern world and for a long time he stuck to this like he would wear these very like attention grabbing like just openly beautiful articles of clothing but it like he wore it in a way that <laughs> it seemed like they were just like thrown at him and whatever yeah, totally. happened to stick was like part of the <laughs> outfit it was just <laughs> That's like they so like, were well draped and and that still like tends to be tends to be the case with Timothy Chalamet will go like his, his thing will be like shirtless under a beautiful suit jacket or you know but then, then I think, I think, you know, when Styles wore that like silk shirt and jewelry to the Met Gala, and he like, he actually looked like he had bathed that day. Yeah, right. Like his hair was combed, his <laughs> Style, jewelry right. was in place. He looked like he had, yeah, taken a shower, like he had done his nails. And like that really, because I had not re- fully, I'd been like, well, he's worn stuff like that before, right? But it was that he wasn't putting the sprezzatura into it it was like kind of openly you know a a presentation of like beauty out and out that totally seemed like it you know it really made an impact everybody like kind of lost their mind over it even though it was you know not that different from some of the stuff he's worn before
5: and I mean, there's a really interesting conversation to be had there also about, like, whiteness and who gets to look, like, disheveled course, yeah. and like they don't care. And it's really interesting. Like, I, I really realized this in this season about preppy clothes, where, you know, in the early days of preppy in, like, the 1920s, 1930s on the campus of Princeton, these guys have, like, extreme sprezzatura. You know, they have holes. And that's why they have, like, the patches on their elbows because it the. like... They're like their sweaters are pilling. Their their khakis have rough edges. You know, they look like kind of kind of gross in some ways, like <laughs> a la early Chalamet. But then when you get to sort of the evolution of like you know by the '90s, when you have the low heads and the origins of street style and like hip hop infused Tommy Hilfiger, that's all about looking like. And looking clean, but it's arguably a lot of the same clothes just worn in, like, really different styles. And a lot of it has to do with, like, the culture around who is wearing it. If there is a culture where, like, sprezzatura is considered, you know, cool or not.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think this also ties into sneaker culture. Yes. Like, that's the one place where men are allowed to, like, focus their inner esthete. Like, yeah, I think in at least in some culture, I was actually at a child's birthday party. Yeah, I was invited. I didn't just like show up, walking my just dog, judging all the fashion babies, <laughs> just
5: judging everyone, all the
1: children's but outfits. Yes, it was on the <laughs> the west side of Los Angeles, which is a totally different world than kind of further further east. And like, I had Jordans on, and every other dad had like the same. They all looked very preppy. It was like, mm. and I, I couldn't tell if it was like this, this style of clothing had really like come back in a, in a strong way, just on the West side of LA or if I That's was just, but yeah, it, they all had like kind of loafers or, you know, canvas, like oh, boat East shoes coast, on. Bringing that East
3: coast shit? <laughs> yeah. It I was did. funny because I, I was just in DC and I was in Georgetown. And I, I was oh. like, I was looking at that prep style, it dead in its fucking eye. And I was like, every dude is wearing a fucking patterned shirt with a fleece vest over it. Like, I'm not lying. Like, there's like a crew of five dudes. Everybody had flannel shirt, fleece vest, khakis, some kind of like boat adjacent shoe. And I was like, this is, it was like freaking me out. I was like, is this a bit? But it just felt like uniform.
5: I mean, the question is, Miles, do you think that's, like, a resurgence? Do you think that's, like, a new thing? Or do you think it's something that's never gone away?
3: I don't... I think it's, like... Because to me, it looks like how my, my, like, parents would dress kids in, like, the late 80s. You know? (laughs) They're like, you should look like a little yuppie. You know what I mean? Like, and that's swag. And then I think... Then, like, in the 90s, we all got grungy and shit and had our, like, you know, punk or emo or hip-hop phase or whatever. And then I think... I don't know if... For whatever reason, I think now it's like I think just people are, are really back to being able to signal their wealth or socioeconomic status to what they wear, even if it's not really like their style. It's like, well, when I wear this, people know I'm probably an Ivy type dude or, you know, like I have a good job because I'm I'm wearing the uniform of a person that does that. Totally. Yeah, you you get
1: to talk to like I, I forget the name of the company, but there's like a company that all of the fashion houses and all of the like clothing manufacturers consult to be like, okay, here's what we're doing two years from now. And it, it, it raises like a really interesting chicken and the egg thing. But
5: yeah, there are these like trend forecasting companies. I feel like after the pandemic, there's been so much conversation around like, what's a trend, what's in trend right now? You guys, right. it's like Barbie core, it's clown core, it's norm core, like all these right. cores, you know, there are all these right. trends right now. And I feel like it's just cause we're sort of, re-acclimating and, and trying to like understand each other again right and yeah so it got me thinking about this company called wgsn that most like yes. most major fashion houses consult to be like what is going to be what is going to be in and so i talked to them about trends and how there are so many trends now and my personal theory for why Preppy. And no one uses that word. Even when I talked to the CEO of Brooks Brothers, he was like, We don't use that word. And then you look at their website and it's like tennis sweaters worn over, you know, it's like the same clothes. (laughs) But now we call them classics or we call them basic. Or, you know, you go to Uniqlo and it's like preppy clothes. Those are just classics. And I think why they're having a moment now, you know, it's arguable whether they're like having a moment or they never went away, but it's because they're like a way out from trends. People who are like, You know what? I can't keep up with all these trends. I'm just going to dress like in a classic, a classic way that I don't have to think about. That's that's like.
3: Right. Oh, so we're back to being like, I don't have the men. I don't have the band. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a new version of that. Right. Totally. Now,
3: fuck it. I will wear my fucking pattern flannel with my fleece vest. And look, no shade. If you dress like that, I don't give a shit. I think there's a way to do it. Well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think fact when i look at it too i don't get as overwhelmed like i cuz i used to be super up on streetwear from college on and then like i started like having to be in the real world and i'm like oh wait <laughs> okay i don't have the money to wear all to wear this shit all the time but i think it just more forced me into a place of like well my what is my own style and i'm just mm-hmm. being like i'm still i'm still 15 years old in the san fernando valley so i will wear basketball shorts sweatpants t-shirts hoodies and just the uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of my zone <laughs> I mean, like i don't I, and it's not that i don't i'm necessarily saying like i don't have the time to fucking figure that shit out i'm like that's just kind of where i landed in terms of what my personal style is
5: no it means you thought i it, mean it, that's like a incredible thing it just means you know who you are and you know what you like and i think a lot of people haven't done that work you know right if and you're, if, you, if you're if, if, yeah yeah if you just want to like dress in a generally manageable acceptable culturally acceptable way <laughs> that literally <laughs> opens doors for you preppy clothes are like a tool you know you're like okay. oh 100
3: right. yeah it's the code switching of clothing yeah i'm wearing exactly. the i'm wearing the uniform
5: and like and it's open to anyone it's like right. the keys to the kingdom and like you can just have them it's kind of amazing
3: right. it is kind of like yeah because it's sort of like what a maga hat does like, if you're at a rally, like, you're like, guess what? Just because I wore this hat and they had yeah, no idea. It doesn't mean anything. Because I had the right. fucking hat on. The <laughs> right. Fucking, They did not really analyze more than like, got the hat. All right. Good with me. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, I remember once I, yeah, I, I like did coverage at a Trump rally and I was like, fuck it, bro. I'm a person. I'm gonna wear a red hat. And everybody was like, hey, what's up, fella? Wait,
5: it didn't even say anything on it? It No, it was just a red hat. (gasps) Because that was just my thing of being like... so smart.
3: This is, I think, just the way I'd be able to navigate these people. Yeah. Uh, As somebody who's navigated white culture pretty frequently, I'm like, yeah, this might work. And it did. And I think, like you're saying, especially for people who are in situations where you're going to be just... A a snap judgment is going to be made on your appearance. You show up in the clothing of whatever their world is. And without thinking, they're like... Well, all the markers are there of person who is of the same socioeconomic bracket or culture.
5: One hundred percent. And I have to say, like when I did this research, I've been working on this for months now. I really thought I would be going to Kennebunkport to like interview people named Muffy. Periodically, right. but I was
3: about Muffy. to use that word. Illiter- Thank you, Muffy. <laughs> Muffy. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Muffy. Yeah. But, like, yes. I actually, I actually interviewed someone who was like, "Yeah, I dated a girl named Pussy." Like, preppy names are the best. Wow. But the but really, I ended up interviewing almost, like, mostly New Yorkers, mostly Black and Jewish New Yorkers. And the story is, like, Black and Jewish and very Japanese. It is only a small percentage of it that is actually, like, waspy. It is a really fascinating story of how, wow. like, so many different groups have taken on different versions of this look and actually made it their own. And, and now I love it. Like, knowing the whole history, I'm like, this is the coolest Sort yeah, of all were, American story.
1: There, in in the first episode of the new season, you talk about this book that was sort of a like sociological study of Ivy League culture in the mid-century that was done. Wasn't it like a a Japanese author had like come through to like take photographs, and because it was just. It's not the sort of thing that you would do if you were living in the moment, but because it was this, like, sociological thing, it, like, really captured all all the weird little sort of shrugged off gestures and styles and, and kind of made it very influential, right?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like no one would think at the time that the book was written to be like, isn't it so amazing? They're wearing loafers without socks. But, right. you know, these, this this Japanese author was like, this is so interesting. Like, look at what's going on here. Right. And so this book called Take Ivy, which in later episodes will be, re- will be revealed, is like a pun. It's a, it's a wordplay on the Dave Brubeck song Take Five ah. became like the Bible for this look. Wow. That then had a huge moment in the early aughts in like J Crew Jenna Lyons era. Like I saw it take Ivy for sale at a J Crew around that time. There was wow. like this huge preppy revival, you know, in like right. Andre three thousand, you know, backpack rap, Vampire Weekend, Gossip Girl. There was this like preppy moment yeah. that yeah. I think our time now is referencing because like. Recent nostalgia is also in, yeah, totally, and it's time. It's the twenty-year cycle. But take Ivy was a huge part of it. This like relic from nineteen sixty-five still. Yeah, and you look at it. I'm like,
3: like when I look at the images, I'm like, is this a J. Crew or like early Abercrombie lookbook?
5: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Or Amelie Andor. Like it looks so. I mean, it looks. One must admit, it looks good. Like they look good.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, like it's it's a vibe. It's a, it's a vibe. vibe. It's a
5: particular know? look. <laughs>
3: yeah, right.
1: But don't. But but pay attention to your sneakers, people. Like you can still <laughs> you can still dress preppy and not wear the <laughs> not wear the yes! kill shot. Like there, are, J. Crew sells like two the types of sneakers. This, uh, the Nike Kill Shot and the Stan Smiths, and like the those were the hit. only sneakers that I saw at that birthday party. That's well now it. people oh, and my now
3: now people rock the St- Alexander McQueen version yeah. of the Stan yeah, Smiths. Yeah, yeah. that had like the thicker one. They're like, these are actually six hundred dollar versions of <laughs> right, a very simple exactly. shoe. I'm like, they still look the they same, look bro. identical. The, the yeah. sole is just thicker. Fine, good for you. You have spent more money, but that yeah. is not style. And that's another interesting part too about fashion is so many people now just equate the fucking price with some level of like aesthetic viability or uniqueness when it's like this shit is so it's a fucking illusion and you just have. You just have chunky-looking Stan Smiths on.
1: Have you covered rep culture at all? Like, people who are doing, like, replicas of, like, expensive sneakers, like, getting them from the factories, like, people working at the factories?
5: Well, I haven't done it with sneakers, but I did do a whole episode where I interviewed the icon himself, Dapper Dan, and he... Dapper Dan most famously, like, stole... Yeah, basically stole the like gucci logo and the louis vuitton logo in like the 80s and 90s and would just print really high quality like amazing leather outfit like he was the first one to make jumpsuits like leather gucci printed jumpsuits like they weren't doing that like the the whole reason you see people wearing like designer jumpsuits is because they were incredible high quality knockoffs and then the whole saga is like Gucci started copying Dapper Their Dan, so it's like, right. who's ripping off yeah. who? Which is, And now it's kind of a happy story because now Gucci, like, kind of bought Dapper Dan, and he works within them, so it's sort of a happy ending. But he, Dapper Dan said this beautiful thing to me that I think about all the time. He said, these symbols don't just represent brands. Like, the interlocking Gs represent, like, prosperity and wellness and and like health in a weird way to like have these symbols. They're almost like the ancient scarab or the Ankh, you know, they're like powerful symbols that everyone should have access to. And honestly, like I have a, I have a pen pal who's incarcerated and the very first letter he sent me has like Gucci logos all around the letter. And it's like that, that's the power of this stuff. It's not, it's like not even about the brand anymore. It's just like a symbol that means so much more and it has nothing to do with like the quality of the leather or or anything so i'm like ever since that i'm like all about knockoffs i think they're they're fantastic albeit like tricky terrain for designers to navigate but so much innovation comes from it it's really interesting
3: yeah and it just also i think it forces a conversation about like what make like what's the important part is it the visual aesthetic is it the design of something or is it if i put it under a a fucking like microscope is the stitching right because that's how a real thing is made and it's like well am i doing it are you dressing because you like the way it looks or you dress because it's purely like a symbol of your wealth or a signal of that and it's it's always funny especially in sneaker culture you hear people like i would never wear fucking fake jordans or whatever and again it shows how some people have just ascribed like well that the real thing has value and that's the thing i'm going for and if i don't want the cheap thing because that means you're you don't have what it takes to earn like the real thing but the pursuit of that is fucking dumb too like yeah. who gives a shit if you can afford the real thing like that's dumb as fuck there's nothing objectively cool about that it's just a way to differentiate and i think it kind of blows up the pursuit of like these high-end items and what they actually really mean and i love how frustrated people get especially when like celebrities like like Chad Johnson, he's like, I don't, I don't buy real shit at all ever. He's like, why would I waste my money? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. The rep sneakers subreddit is like one large exploration of like, you know, materialism in the ph- philosophical sense, and like the ship of Theseus like, <laughs> thought experiment. <laughs> totally. It's so, it's so interesting. All right, Avery, we could we could talk to you for hours about this stuff. We'll have yeah, to have this you back so on. So interesting. Yeah. Come but back. where can people find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff?
5: Well, check out Articles of Interest wherever you get your podcasts. It's called Articles of Interest. And I'm on Twitter. My last name is Truffleman, and that's my handle, T-R-U-F-E-L-M-A-N. Those are the places I I live. But thank you so much. This was so fascinating. I'm like, I have so many more thoughts on sneaker culture. Yeah. But yeah, thank you.
1: And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying?
5: Um, I've been really enjoying the meme about like the spirit Halloween costumes that everyone yeah. is sharing of just like what is it? <laughs> what is the meme like the only costume, right? Uh, and there was one recently with like I don't know the the this episode of SpongeBob SquarePants where he makes DoodleBob. Who, who do you know this episode? Yeah, uh, that's my that's my favorite. Where it's like an image of <laughs> DoodleBob. It's like the only Halloween costume. <laughs> I love that meme.
1: That's amazing. Uh, Miles, where can people find you with a tweet you've been enjoying?
3: Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Check Jack and I out on our basketball podcast, official NBA basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. Somehow they let us keep saying our dumb ideas <laughs> out loud, and it's an NBA product. It's called Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. Uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, check in this week. Uh, just always fantastic guests. New episode just dropped today. Uh, and also, I'll, I'm always with Sophia Alexandra talking 90 Day Fiancé over at 420 Day Fiancé. Uh, now, let's see, some tweets that I like. First one, past guest, Paula V. at Paula Vigan-Allen, tweeted, Dear Kanye, if I was your mother, <laughs> and an ellipsis, uh, fucking shit got me. And then another one from uh, at Soma Kazima uh, tweeted, Nah, they clapping back now, and uh, posted a video of these girls on TikTok doing like POV, influencers trying Indian food for the first time, <laughs> and it's just so it's just so good because everyone's like oh my Yo. god oh my god the, the tweet said nah they clapping back now and this is so good because if you've ever seen these videos of like white people trying indian food for the first time it has the exact same vibe of it being so exoticized and like oh what, what's this and i'm just going to play the first couple seconds because it's genius
0: hi, hi guys
3: um, they're big
2: the ass came back from the shops oh, and we got indian food <laughs> yeah. actually this is oh pakistani god. food but i heard they were similar yeah. Pakistan's yeah, Pakistan <laughs> yeah. We didn't know yeah. what to get, but we got chicken tikka masala because the manager said it was good.
3: Um, we also
2: he said to he said a tip is to eat it with yogurt, and then we have some garlic man It's a bit
3: dry. <gasps> it's a bit dry. <laughs> I just love their fucking paper like the big paper ass fingernails. <laughs> yeah. Incredible! Oh, you know, these girls are Incredible. killing it. So uh, yeah, shout out to that TikTok account.
5: <laughs> Amazing.
3: That's great.
1: Some tweets I've been enjoying. Logan Dean, Ghost Boy Detective, tweeted, Big Pharma should periodically release Quaaludes for a limited time, like narcotics McRibs.
5: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Somebody it's tweeted, back. oh, uh, Cool Boobs <laughs> tweeted, M at Cool Boobs tweeted, was just reminded of the Staples logo reveal. And I <gasps> guess this is a historical document, but it's... Like, you just kind of have to watch it, but they take the L that has, like, the little bent-down staple... And then it like slowly, like everything else disappears. They zoom in on that L, and then the L slowly like gets an erection so that it oh, like looks staples. like a unfolding. <laughs> I remember staple. this.
5: I remember this. And then uh... there's like a
1: giant explosion. It's very strange. I highly recommend you go check it out.
5: Also, the Staples logo was cool. I don't know why they messed with it. It was right. good. It was obviously yeah. a staple. It was cute.
1: Yeah. And then uh, somebody tweeted a picture i i think a photoshop it's spirit halloween costume conservative guy scared of cities and it's just a conservative looking dude with like a a a helicopter on his t-shirt that says like hold the line and a flag on his shirt and it says saw that thing on the news too many of those people there can't park (laughs) ford super duty not scared bro This is just a good uh, a well for, done for you can find me on twitter at jack underscore o'brien you can find us on twitter at daily zeitgeist we're at D daily zeitgeist on instagram we have a facebook fan page and a website daily where we post our episodes and our footnotes Hello. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy miles what song do we think people might enjoy
3: man time for some experimental hip hop from england this is just a group, I don't know, they're called Baby Father but if you know Dean Blunt this is a project Dean Blunt is working on and this track is called Penelope Freestyle the beat is just like the second I started playing it I was like oh this instrumental is interesting and I always like any any experimental hip hop uh, so check this one out fantastic track Penelope Freestyle by Baby Father alright we will link off to that in the footnotes the Daily
1: Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that is gonna do it for us this morning back this yep. afternoon to tell you what what. what is trending and we will talk to y'all
4: then. Bye. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80. Let's go places.